time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. We've got a great show on the way for you today. This is the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside Glenn Mosseller. Glenn's a registered financial consultant at Roadmap Financial Consulting. You can find him in the office there in Greensboro on Muir's Chapel Road and always online at greensbororetirement.com. We've got a great show today where we're going to be answering some of the questions that maybe have been on your mind. We're calling today's show, I've Been Thinking About. I'm going to assume the role of different folks who are in their retirement planning preparation stages. And some of the things that I've been thinking about, I'm going to throw through, you know, Glenn's lens and filter and see if he can help me navigate some of these different situations. I love it when we get the chance to do this because we can cover a lot of different financial topics and cover a lot of ground. So, Glenn, one thing I've been thinking about is if we enter into a long down period in the market, what would be the best approach for someone nearing retirement? Let's say I'm almost near that point and trying to figure out the best way to position myself my final few working years, and I've got some concerns about how to do it in that down market. Right. Well, yeah, Walter, I mean, it's very important. The five years just before retirement and the first five years of retirement, that 10-year time frame is very critical, right? And the main thing that folks have to realize is that, you know, and I think most people kind of think about this, but it's not really defined as it probably ought to be in most people's minds, and that is that there's phases of life, right? And for the vast majority of your working years, you're in what we would call the accumulation years or the accumulation period of life in terms of your financial life and putting your uh, your plans together for retirement. You know, you're accumulating as much as you can and, and just saving and saving and saving. But then as you're approaching and getting, you know, in those last few years, you really need to make, start making that transition from accumulation into preservation, right? Because you've accumulated most of what you're going to accumulate. You might be you know, continuing to add to, but you have most of what you're going to have, you know, and so you've got to start thinking, okay, well, I've got to make sure that this lasts and I want to make sure that that I don't experience a big downturn just as I'm retiring or just before I want to retire and then have to have your plans change. So we have to think, okay, we're making that transition to preservation. And then of course that preservation then goes into distribution and creating income from all the things that you've saved for your retirement. And so as you're looking towards that, whether you're, you're kind of thinking, Hey, the market's getting ready to turn down or not either way, you know, I mean, nobody has a crystal ball and sometimes, you know, things are surprising as to what really happens in the marketplace. And then regardless, you want to be start to position yourself towards more and more towards the preservation and distribution mindset. That doesn't mean that you completely give up on accumulation and growth, but it does mean that you, that you have to begin to shift and you got to realize that when you start drawing money out, then it's a whole different scenario than when you're putting money in. And that's the topic for, you know, we could spend several hours on that as to reasons why. But I think people basically get the idea that, you know, when they're thinking about accumulating, it's a good thing to be able to buy more stuff when prices are down, right? But it's not a good thing if the markets and your account values go down and you have to start drawing money out at that time. That can be absolutely devastating. And so you've got to want to make sure that you, you start to move into that preservation mode. And at least with a portion of your money, you start saying, okay, well, we're going to be less risky there or maybe totally risk averse with a portion of that money and then have some longer term money that's positioned differently. And depending upon your particular situation, the amounts and those kinds of things can vary. But the basic mindset of making that transition is critical. Well, we do have a lot of things to think about when it comes to that aspect of financial and retirement planning. The closer we get to retirement, you start feeling that 
closeness of retirement sort of squeeze in on you a little bit. And we want to make sure that we're making the right choices when it comes to that time of life. I think something else, let's take it in a different direction here, Glenn. Something else I've been thinking about is I prepare for my retirement future. In fact, I'm going to assume the role of someone who is recently retired. And I'm going to come into your office and tell you, Glenn, I shot myself in the foot in some way, shape, or form. I should have known better. I thought I, you know, I was under the impression that I wouldn't have to pay taxes on my Social Security benefits, but now I know better. (laughs) It does seem, though, from talking to different folks, that everybody seems to be paying different amounts. Some pay more than others. How does this whole Social Security thing work, and did I make a big mistake by now having to pay taxes on my benefits? Right. Well, yeah, Walter, this is a, a very common thing, right? You can maybe think, well, I'm not going to get taxed on that. Uh, you know, I've heard that. I've heard like, so, well, I'm not sure exactly how it works. And the way it does work really is that when you start thinking about Social Security, you have to realize that in the tax code, it's a little different than any, any other thing that you're going to come across in terms of income or income planning. And that is that, that Social Security benefits are not inherently taxable but they become subject to taxation based on how much other income you have. And there's this calculation inside the tax code called provisional income. And it doesn't have any meaning anywhere else outside of the U.S. tax code, but it's a calculation you know, that's done within the tax software and your tax preparation to determine whether or not your Social Security is going to be subject to taxation, and if so, how much of it's going to be subject to taxation. And like I say, it's going to be based upon how much other income you have and the type of income it is and you know what goes into that calculation to find out what your provisional income is. And so that's something that you really want to you know, try to do some planning around. And obviously, and if you haven't done that and you find yourself in that position, it's a little harder, although sometimes you can still make, make some plans. But if you know about it in advance, you know, it's all that much better, right? But it's a piece of the puzzle that is not really understood by a lot of people as to how that works. And obviously, if you're able to keep your Social Security from being taxed, then that money is going to go further and your other monies are going to last longer. So it's a really, really important piece of the puzzle. And like I say, there's an awful lot of people who are not taking that into consideration. And there's an awful lot of you know advisors that are not, that's not really their skill set to know how Social Security works. And you know, they're more apt to be looking at you know the performance of an account versus you know, the overall income planning and how do we make sure that the money lasts longer, you know, and then what that money is there for is for retirement income. And that's, like I say, I mean, there are certain skill sets with different advisors, you know, and you want to make sure that you're working with somebody who understands how that works and that they can help you plan and strategize to try to make your money last longer. Because as we all know, it's really how much you get to keep versus, you know, what you actually see in the account, right? Because if it end up, you end up having extra money go off to taxes that didn't necessarily need to go, well, then, you know, if you could have held on to those dollars, your real return would have been better because you would have been holding on to more dollars for a longer period of time. Yeah, it's important to be thinking about. So thank you for guiding us through that common problem, wondering about how Social Security benefits are going to be taxed, when it applies, when it doesn't, what level we fall into, lots of things to sort out there as you plan for retirement. Right, let me hop into another set of shoes here, Glenn, put myself into a different position here. Let's say that, you know, unless something goes horribly wrong, I'm expecting a sizable inheritance from my mom. Let's say she's currently near 90 years old, and I do have the feeling that she's in declining health. It's not something certainly that I'm rooting for. It's just the reality of the situation. Is it unwise for me to go ahead and start factoring that inheritance into my retirement plan? 
You know, this is an interesting topic, Walter, because, you know, some folks are going to automatically begin to do that. Some folks are going to say, well, you know, I kind of feel guilty if I start to do that, so I'm just going to kind of not deal with that. And the reality is that, you know, yes, you don't want to necessarily anticipate it. And like you say, you're not rooting for it. But, you know, I mean, if that's a reality that you know, then a lot of times you've had those conversations with parents and whatnot, and you realize that, hey, this is likely going to take place. You know, you're not, not sure exactly how much it's going to be because there might be some you know, long-term care expenses and other things that might come up. And if obviously, if your folks need it, they should use their resources. But at the same time, you know, if it's likely going to be part of your overall mix of what you have, you have to account for it. Because if you don't account for it, then you could set up your financial plan and not account for it at all. And then suddenly more money comes in and depending upon you know what kind of money that is whether it's an inherited IRA or if it's real estate or if it's any number of different things well then that's going to impact any planning that you've done when you ha- didn't take that into account and so you could have spent a lot of time and effort and everything else putting together this great plan but now there's a whole nother element that's there that wasn't part of your plan and now you got to start all over again so it's wise to take it into consideration but you it's a kind of a fine line you know you want to kind of have your own plans but then you want to have another alternative plan that's like okay well if this comes into play then I've got enough flexibility built in that this can be part of it and I'm keeping you know my plans efficient and I know that you know one of the main things we want to do is to make sure you know that we have some tax efficiency built in as best as we can. We also want to think in terms of, you know, market fluctuations when we're drawing money out and are also for our own long-term care as well as our parents' long-term care. And so as we're putting our, together our plans, you want to have, you know, a variety of what-if scenarios, particularly if you realize that this is likely going to happen, you know, and it's a little touchy area because, I mean, you're not really rooting for it, but it's not very smart to to just completely just ignore it when likely it's going to become part of your life and then and then if you're not prepared for it if you or if you've made decisions that you know that are hard to reverse and you didn't take that into account well now you end up having some problems well we know every situation is going to be different and sometimes it comes down to the level of communication you know what have you talked to your parents about have you had that open conversation and have they said this is what you can expect you should plan for this or are you just guessing and you've never had the conversation with them? You may yeah. have no idea that they plan to donate all of the money to, you know, a charity or a church or, you know, some sure. other organization and leave you with nothing. That has happened before, even to those who have been expecting it to go the other direction. And so I think that level of communication and expectation certainly gives different levels of confidence into whether or not to incorporate that into the plan, right? Oh, no doubt about it. It's a tricky situation. It's a tricky topic because you know, like you say, I mean, you, you, your parents might end up doing something different than what you thought. You know, certainly it's a whole lot easier if that conversation has happened and there's been some generational planning and all that's been discussed and so forth. That certainly makes it a whole lot easier. But that's not always the case. And so if you're not sure, then again, you don't want to necessarily anticipate it. But at the same time, you don't want to just anticipate that you're not going to receive anything either. What you want to do is you want to have some alternative scenarios that, uh, you know, and you might be guessing at numbers, but, you know, again, you want to you want to at least have some flexibility in your own plan and don't put yourself on such a rigid plan that if if something was to come in, that now it throws all your planning off. And like I say, that's that's a little hard to do. But I think everybody kind of gets the point. It's, you know, you want to kind of have flexibility in your plan so that anything that might happen like that, you know, can be taken into account. 
All right, let's cover one more hypothetical here, Glenn, as uh, we kind of covered this segment of I've been thinking, and let me put myself in the shoes of one more person. Let's say that I have maxed out my Roth IRA contributions in the last year, but then I ended up having an awesome sales year, and I made more than what's allowed for Roth IRA contributions. Am I in trouble in that scenario because it feels like I would get punished for being responsible and saving money, which just seems silly? <laughs> well, yeah, it does, doesn't it, Walter? But yeah, no, I mean, and that sometimes happens, right? So yeah, I mean, you're not necessarily in trouble unless you just kind of ignore it, right? You know, if you find yourself in that position and you've made contributions into this account and come to find out that, oops, you know, the situation changed and now I'm beyond the, the limits and I can't really do that. Well, I mean, the IRS realizes that those kind of situations happen and there's procedures to follow to be able to extract the money and do the right thing. So you need to do that because, you know, if not, you know, it's going to come up, you know, when the reporting, you know, goes in because whenever you make contributions, that's reported to the IRS, right? You get a copy, they get a copy. And so that's a known thing. And so when that happens and then your tax return comes in, it's going to pop up and say, oh, well, this is not allowed. And then you're going to get one of those uh, one of those letters. Right. And so you want to be aware that, hey, this happened. I'm not in trouble, but I do have to deal with it. And if I don't deal with it, then I could find myself getting into trouble. But, you know, that's something where you're going to go to, you know, your tax preparer and, you know, you might do a little bit of research online first so you can ask some informed decisions. But you want to make sure that you're getting really good advice and that all the I's are getting dotted and T's are getting crossed. You know, I don't want to get into the IRS code as to how to do that at this point. But in essence, there is procedures to be able to fix things that happen like that because, you know, I mean, it happens. That's kind of a normal thing, right? If you make that transition or if you have just an outlier year and all of a sudden you find yourself in a different place than you that you normally been, you know, you're not going to be the first person to ever have that happen. And so there's going to be procedures in place to fix it. Well, we covered a lot of ground on today's program, Glenn. And if we happen to strike a chord of anything that you might be going through in your financial life, or rather than a hypothetical, you'd like to get answers to your exact situation, some customized guidance and advice on what you're going through, Glenn Mosseller can help you walk through those conversations, whether it be over the phone or come into the office in Greensboro on Mears Chapel Road and have that conversation about where you stand right now with your financial plan and how to best prepare yourself for your financial future. All you have to do is give a call to 336-291-3535 to set that conversation up. That's 336-291-3535. Or you can go online to greensbororetirement.com. That's greensbororetirement.com to get in touch that way as well. Look for the button that says free consultation at the bottom of your screen, and you can schedule that time to meet. Glenn, thanks for helping guide us through another podcast. Always fun doing the show with you, and we'll do it again a week from now. Very good, Walter. Take care. I look forward to it. Sounds great. That's Glenn Mosseller. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We'll talk to you next time on the Retirement Roadmap Podcast.